boys and girls, this is the Topic 7 podcast. Um, got a big endorsement from Estim Knurk. Oh, boy. Uh, said that he, he listened to the podcast. It was the only studying that he did the last time. Listened to the podcast on his way in to school the day of the test. He only missed two questions. Okay, there we go. So That's high-quality student data there. That's right. Boom. I right. suppose if you're not going to do any other studying, at least the podcast will help a little right. bit. Yeah, why not? Yep. All right. So uh, on, um, uh, we all have some matching sections. Uh, we don't necessarily all cover the same exact terms, but we're going to try to hit most of them. So um, first set of matching uh, that I'm going to go through here, defendant and plaintiff, two words that you can kind of put together. Um, the defendant is the person who is on the defense. They're the one necessarily being charged. If you want to think of Judge Judy, maybe the defendant is that, uh, you know, that dad who hasn't paid child support. And the, uh, uh, the plaintiff, the one bringing the suit, is, is the mom trying to get uh, the dad to pay child support. Um, then there are three things of jurisdiction in this matching section. One is original jurisdiction which is uh, the court that hears the case first. Um, and I believe we all have a question dealing with what federal court um, has original jurisdiction, and those are the district courts, the 94 district courts. And it's not surprising that they hear the most federal court, uh, court cases because, in fact, they're the first one to hear it. And sometimes that's as far as it goes. Um, then there's appellate jurisdiction. Uh, you, you are... Those are, those are courts that are hearing cases from lower courts on appeal. And then lastly, concurrent jurisdiction. And this is more dealing with federalism. Uh, so this is when a federal court or a state court uh, has authority to hear a case. Mr. Gamble. Second set here, majority opinion is the court's opinion, um, who they decided with, how the case went. Um, so majority of the judges agreed there. Concurring opinion is that I, I agree with the majority, but for different reasons. Uh, and then they have the dissenting opinion when they decide a case, which is the judges that did not agree with the majority or the winning side and their reasoning. All look at precedent at some point. Um, or become precedent. Docket, that's the court's um, calendar. So what's on the docket? What court cases are we going to hear when it comes to the Supreme Court? Um, the listing of cases. Judicial review, talked about a lot, a lot about judicial review through the whole year. And that's just the courts being able to, the Supreme Court being able to take a look at constitutional things, um, congressional laws, and being able to review those things the president does, and the case that um, is talked about most with in setting up judicial review is Marbury versus Madison. Can everyone say that with me? Marbury, Marbury no, that's, versus... That's, that's old. That's hip use. Never mind. Oh, okay. Uh, Mr. Blue, last two there. Um, Mr. Gambler referenced precedent in his uh, uh, vocab or matching section. Uh, precedent is just 
uh, a previous ruling on a case or a situation that, that judges and courts refer back to to see how they should rule on the current case. Um, you know, they use the Constitution to help them decide cases, they use the current law, but then they also use those, those past cases that have been decided, um, which are known as, as precedent. Um, and then exclusive jurisdiction is jurisdiction that only the federal government has over a case. Um, could be because of who's involved, like a foreign ambassador, or it could be because of uh, uh, what's involved, like uh, robbing of a bank, uh, because the bank's money is insured by the federal government, basically through the FDIC program, uh, the FBI, and then the federal courts would uh, be involved in uh, bank robbery. Okay, so moving on to the multiple choice, and uh, we're going to hit on some of the short answer questions that we have. Uh, so the first question, uh, who or what created the Supreme Court of the United States? And that one is, um, uh, that would be the Constitution, and more specifically, that would be Article Three. It's the only court that is created by the Constitution. Um, all other inferior courts are created by Congress, which at least uh, one of the things that I kind of try to highlight is that that's kind of a check and balance right there. Um, Mr. Gambler, what are the two types of inferior courts? Those would be constitutional courts and special courts. Mm -hmm. um, number three here, what did the framers want uh, a, want a national, why rather, it should be, uh, why did the framers want a national judiciary, Mr. Blue? Um, you know, one of the big things was Going back to the Articles of Confederation, our first attempt at the Constitution, um, Congress did have the ability under that to create laws, but then no way to hear the cases that involve those laws. So um, they created a national judiciary so those federal laws could be heard in a federal courtroom uh, somewhere in our country. Yeah, uh, the, the, the states you know, trying to figure it out on their own, oftentimes they did not honor the um, rulings of, of the other states. Um, how are federal judges chosen and how long do they serve? Um, they, are, um, they are appointed by the president and depending on whether they are a constitutional court judge or a special court judge, the second question, how long do they serve, will differ. Uh, constitutional court judges are appointed by for life. That is not a prison sentence. They can retire. They do quit, but they do not have to worry about re-election or being reappointed. Um, special court judges, on the other hand, uh, they have varying term lengths. So, for instance, the U.S. Tax Court, uh, you may not be appointed uh, for for life uh, when we're talking about the tax court. Uh, Mr. Gambler, uh, what makes the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court so unique? They have original, so they can hear a case for the first time, and appellate, they can hear a case on appeal. Uh, Mr. Blue, why does the Constitution provide for a dual court system? Um, one reason is because the state and federal government both have laws. So if you're going to have laws, you're going to have to have a court system to uh, hear those laws um, and interpret those laws also. 
Um, also, in my class, when we talk about this, we talk about the idea of one of our six constitutional principles, which is federalism, um, that division of power between the federal and state government. Um, it's just one more way to divide up that power, so not either one becomes uh, too powerful. One of the uh, questions that uh, I'm not sure, I, th I think it might just be on Mr. Gambler and Mr. Uh, or Mr. Me. I was going to say Mr. <laughs> Mr. Me. Uh, our test uh, focuses on trying to pick uh, one uh, case that might be dealing with a, um, I think it eliminates and eliminate the, the one thing that isn't a federal case. And if it's all within one state, if it's a citizen suing another citizen within a state um, for, I don't know, a car accident and, uh, and it's a small amount of money, for instance, uh, there's no reason why that's not a state court as opposed to a federal court. Um, a soldier in the United States Army does not return to his post following a leave and is charged with desertion. Uh, Mr. Gambler, in which court would his case be heard? That would be military court. Uh, we, we're, uh, and at least, uh, I think court martial, I think that, I can't remember exactly what the, uh, um, answers are on that one. But yeah, a, a military court and certainly dealing with military law. Um, Mr. Blue, explain the difference in jurisdiction between a constitutional court and a special court. Um, and we kind of, I don't know if we did touch on it earlier. Maybe we did. Uh, I think we just maybe mentioned that. Um, constitutional court, which in my class I, I call a lot of times federal district courts, um, is kind of the um, courts that hear everything at the federal level at least. They can hear um, criminal, federal criminal cases like bank robbery. They can hear a federal civil case that could involve a disagreement across state lines over maybe a payment um, of some sort of contract. Or it could even be a constitutional question if you know, a certain police department upheld someone's constitutional rights of uh, right to remain silent or something along those lines. The special courts usually deal with a very special or unique situation that, that, that they're an expert in. Um, maybe like uh, trade, uh, there's an international trade court that deals in uh, those sort of questions. Yeah, the, um, the ones that, that we kind of focus on in, in my class are uh, the tax court for one, but then the territorial courts as well. Um, those would be considered to be special, as Mr. Blue said, the, the jurisdiction is, is more narrow in, in those instances. Um, uh, we have uh, in, in our notes, uh, go over two quotes from two chief justices, um, the current one, John Roberts and Charles Evans Hughes. Um, and the basics is you, you guys have to decide who is, you know, who is judicial restraint, who is dealing with more of a um, judicial activism type of situation. In those quotes, uh, Hughes, I think, you know, I don't know, if, when I read those quotes, I think Hughes is kind of uh, almost like egotistical, almost, you know, he says, you know, judge, the Constitution is what the judges say it is. And it's like, wow, okay. He's full of himself. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if that's, and I'm not necessarily going to, I don't want to say that someone who is more liberal in their interpretation 
is is that way. But if if the judge seems to be more active of their own opinion, maybe judicial activism is the right choice. And the the quote in that particular question, you guys can refer back to your notes on this. Um, John Roberts is critical of judicial activism. He mentions judicial activism and how it is uh, maybe an, an intrusion into what should be Congress and the president's job. Um, you guys want to say anything more on that one, or should we move on? Um, I'm, I'm good. Good. Oh, good. Okay. Um, uh, what are the three options, Mr. Gambler, the court has when someone appeals for them to hear a case? I know you haven't you haven't gotten to this chapter yet, so right. We just started the notes today. Okay. Um, they can let it stand the original case. They can send it back to the lower court for them to reevaluate the case because maybe they see something or hear something that's missing that they should have gotten. Or they can listen to the case and then in that case they can side with the lower court or they can modify the lower court or overturn the lower court case. Very good. Uh, Mr. Blue, can you uh, tell those kids the difference between a civil and criminal case? Yes. Um, a criminal case is a situation where um, a law is broken. Topic 7 is mainly on the federal government, so it was probably a law that the United States Congress made um, some sort of criminal act where law they made was actually broken. Could be a, a, a state crime too, uh, if our General Assembly in Ohio made the uh, law, uh, then it's a state crime. Either way, in a criminal case, um, if you're convicted, um, probably a fine and jail time also, um, because you broke a law. In a civil case, a lot of times it's a non-criminal matter, maybe a disagreement between two people over a contract. Almost always money is involved um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, in a criminal case, the person who's on trial has to be found guilty. Um, there is a lot heavier burden on the prosecution to prove the guilt of the person, um, where in a civil case, there's a lot less burden to prove responsibility or, or who should get the money or whatever is at stake in the civil case. All right. Um, the next question focuses on a quote from Chief Justice John Marshall, which Marshall, I spelled wrong here. They don't know. For, they forgotten now. I could have left that. Yeah, you don't need to know that. Um, but actually, I guess I got my, my Chief Justices confused, but Charles Evans Hughes says something similar to this. Uh, but basically, Marshall says the the judges say, we say what the law is. And I guess he's not really being necessarily egotistical on this. Uh, he, this, this question is getting at judicial review. So he's, in, in other words, maybe not the best words, uh, he's saying that the, the job of the court is to interpret the words of the Constitution. Um, have you done? Have you done the vocab yet? No, you haven't done the vocab yet. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this one because I, I the um, 
in the vocab, um, the video there, uh, uh, my, my daughter is standing behind me and we're talking about the two different ways that the, the court uh, accepts the case. And I was kind of described the writ of certiori as a pull because the, the court is sending an order down to the uh, appeals courts asking them to send records up. Either way, they're hearing petitions from people below, like you know, people want to hear their case, but the writ of certiori is when the Supreme Court asks the appeals courts to send all the records up because they have agreed to hear the case. Um, a certificate, on the other hand, I kind of describe as a push in that the lower courts are asking, kind of pushing it up to the Supreme Court, asking them to certify a particular question. Uh, Mr. Gambler, what federal courts were created in 1891 as gatekeepers to the Supreme Court? You don't have that question? The, um, the, the, the appeals court uh, is, so, so I guess in our notes we have that the Supreme Court is kind of burdened by the, by the time 1891 rolls around. Um, and uh, so the, the creation of the appeals court kind of has a buffer zone uh, in between Supreme Court and lower courts. Um, <clears throat> Mr. Blue, um, <laughs> I, I, remember, I saw hold the body, um, and then it's just looked weird on the paper. Well, it for me to, weird. For me to ask you it about sounds weird. You hold, saying hold, the holding the body? This is awkward. Um, what does uh, in, in in Latin? Uh, what, what are we talking about when we say hold the body? I don't speak Latin, I'm sorry. It is the uh, habeas corpus. Yeah. Uh, would be hold the body, um, which means you, if you're arrested for something, need to be presented in front of a judge quickly uh, to be told of your crime. Um, mm -hmm. um, the next one, explain the importance um, of Judicial Review, Marbury versus Madison. Um, this, is a, this is a short answer question um, on uh, Mr. Blue and Mr. Gamblers. Um, so I think if you simply refer back to your notes, and we've already kind of mentioned it, um, but, but be familiar with that case. Um, I think this is a question that all three of us have, and these are the short answer now. Um, once, an appeals, once an appeal reaches the court uh, how does it operate? And specifically, we're, we're talking about, um, you need to tell us kind of the steps of how this works and be able to explain the terms briefs, oral arguments, and the court in conference. And when I went through uh, this in my class, there is one uh, particular slide that, that tells you all about those. Uh, so you just need to refer back to that in your notes. Uh, two factors that give federal courts jurisdiction over a case. I think Mr. Blue already said this uh, earlier, um, but kind of dealing with the content 
Um, and uh, what was that? What was the other one? Okay, so the other one was uh, parties and parties involved. That's right. So, parties, so, so who's involved and uh, or the content uh, dealing with the case. Um, and speaking of that, um, the last thing that we have here is a short answer question. I want to actually have a little dialogue here about this because when we were playing the uh, what's the, the game with the bus? Shoot. Wheels on the bus? No, no, no. The one we just played. Uh, not, not argument wars. The court quest. Oh, okay. Yeah, court quest. Yeah. So some of those cases on court quest, I thought should have gone to a federal court, but they had them sent to a state court. And they were like one dealt with like religious freedom. Yeah. And they were. I agree because I missed that one. Okay. And it cost me getting the highest score amongst all my students because a couple of students beat me because of that. So. so, so am I am I doing this wrong? Like here's here's my question. My question to the kids, at least uh, uh, the short answer here is. You know, a kid wears a Confederate flag T-shirt to school. He claims that it's violating his First Amendment right to free speech. Now, I'm telling them that the right answer is federal jurisdiction because of the content of the case. I mean, I mean, does that sound right? I mean, I would, I would agree with that. Okay. Um, it goes along the lines of. A lot of the First Amendment cases that, that, that we, that was a chair, by the way, if anyone is worried about what that noise was, um, you know, that, so that, do, that we go again. over in some of the relevant Supreme Court cases, um, very rarely is it referenced freedom of speech at the state level. It's usually for the U.S. Constitution. So I would say that this would also fall under that. I think iCivics just kind of got too full of themselves because it is a Ohio, I think it's an Ohio. Is it Ohio-based? I, I think it's an Ohio-based okay. uh, website program, so I think they got a little too carried away with making that specific case. Okay. And it's not just because I missed it. Um, <laughs> that specific case, you know, should have been, I think, a, a went the federal should should have started out at a federal district court, you right. know, because it was a question about First Amendment. Okay. Well, for for our, for my purposes at least, uh, when I am asking you a question about a constitutional right and and the, you're making a decision between federal and state, I'm looking for federal jurisdiction for that. So be able to explain that, Mr. Gambler. Do you have anything uh, else that you want to mention? No. I don't. No, Mr. Blue. Nope. What did one shepherd say to the other shepherd? You let me know. Let's get the flock out of here. Bye. She's my jelly and I'm her jelly.